Welcome, folks, to the Goose Gossip Podcast. I'm your host, Levi Gerke. Thank you for tuning in. I have on a lot of great guests that come on to the show. Also have an Instagram and Facebook. Just look up the Goose Gossip Podcast. Helps you stay updated with new guest speakers as well as some great content. This podcast is brought to you by the following. Molt Gear. For 16 years, Molt Gear has been bringing the hunt hard, hunt alive philosophy with their lineup of calls, instructional material, and apparel. Each call is tuned by the owner of three-time World Live Goose Calling Champion Scott Trinan, based in the heart of Goose Country, Rochester, Minnesota. Check them out at www.moltgear.com. Dakota Decoy Company, established in 2007. Dakota Decoy Company has built and grown the company to offer a full lineup of top-quality decoys, blinds, and accessories that you, the demanding hunter, not only expects, but deserves. Located in Vermilion, South Dakota, along the Missouri River. Or check them out on www.dakotadecoy.com. Premium gunning decoys for demanding hunters. Mallard Bay is an Airbnb-style marketplace for discovering and booking guided hunting and fishing adventures. The Mallard Bay platform was built by sportsmen for sportsmen, and their mission is to help expand access to affordable and successful hunting by connecting you with verified outfitters across the U.S. You can browse trips and prices by state or species, select the dates you'd like to go, message outfitters, and make your deposit with a credit card. Fastest and easiest way to book a guided trip with a verified outfitter, go to www.mallardbay.com. Other guys outfitters, home to one of the biggest concentrations of waterfowl in the United States. Great people, great hunting. Reach out to them on their Instagram and message them to book your hunt now or you will not want to miss out on their hunts next year. Bourbon Media prides themselves in being the leader in all things digital marketing for the outdoors industry. Websites, social media management, paid advertising, SEO, logo and design, and content creations. Focus more on your business and let the professionals at Bourbon Media increase your company's digital profits. Contact them on Instagram or Facebook at Bourbon Media or reach out to them on their website at bourbon-media.com. Webfoot Waterfowl Co., the most comfortable and trustworthy lanyards you can buy. Many options available from color to size. Head over to their website, www.webfootwaterfowl.com. As well, you can find them on Instagram. Go check out their product. I have several of their lanyards. Love every single one I have. K2 Coolers, established in 2011 with a commitment to design a quality cooler that would give years of reliable service at very affordable prices. Located in Broussard, Louisiana, check them out at www.k2-coolers. When you think of K2 coolers, think real value, real cold. Big thank you out to all my listeners for enjoying this podcast as much as I do. It is great hearing from all the great feedback from all my listeners. Sit back and enjoy this episode. folks to another episode of the goose gossip podcast and the lucky guest on the phone today is robert brewer robert how does it go my man man what's up i feel like i'm walking into the thunderdome after that intro yeah no the <laughs> intro's kind of fun i mean it's when we built that or sorry when i built that it was it was a lot of fun i mean i wanted to keep it original with the whole goose sounds and everything like that so that was legit I uh, I'm ready to rip, man. <laughs> Perfect. Where where are you from? I, I know we I already know that me and you know where you're from, but we got to let the listeners know where you're from. Yeah. So uh, I'm I was originally born in uh, Central North Carolina and and lived there really the majority of my life and, until I joined the army and uh, when I was in I was in the army for five years and stationed in Fort uh, Fairbanks, Alaska. And uh, after I got back, I moved back to Central North Carolina and. Uh, made the switch down to the beach man i, I wanted, wanted some salt air in my hair and came down here a couple of years ago and and now i live uh, now i live at the north carolina coast you like the east coast i feel like one of my buddies he just said he went to the east coast and he's like i literally felt like i was in the tv show outer banks and i'm like man i gotta get out there you know dude it is a it is a very beautiful place to live where i live isn't really very touristy um you know we do we do have obviously tourism down here for the beaches in the summer but we don't really have a lot of hotel type tourism i think there's only one or two hotels on emerald isle most of what we have is is 
you know, private residences that are Airbnb or something like that. So it's, a uh, it's definitely like a slow lifestyle compared to say like a place like Myrtle beach or, or something like that. I mean, I, I really love the area that I live in and, um, it's just, there's so much, so much stuff to do that's built around the water. It's, uh, it's a great place to be, man. No doubt about it. You going to spend the rest of your time there? Yeah, I'd like to think so. I, I don't really see myself um, really wanting to leave North Carolina. Um, it, if there's it, every place that I would like to go, I I just can't bring myself to to leave here, man. This is uh this is where the roots are dug deep, man. This is this is it for me. If if I have anything to do with it. What about the hunting over there? You know, this is a little bit of the the jump into your extraordinary hunting adventures that that I know that you've done. So I mean. What does your hunting adventures in North North Carolina start off with? Uh, man, I I started you know in the in the swamps, um, shooting wood ducks, you know, and you'll catch a couple of hooded mergansers here and there. Yeah, um, maybe a mallard every once in a while, but you know the majority of, I guess, successful hunting in North Carolina outside of a wood duck limit would be uh, would be divers and sea ducks. Man, um, North Carolina is also pretty well known for swan hunting um or one of the, one of a few states that that has a swan tundra swan hunting opportunity um up in the very northeast corner we do get some snow geese not in huge numbers like uh like you'll see in the central flyway but we do uh we do have a few that that come down the majority of what i focus on you know if i'm going to hunt in north carolina which if i'm being completely honest with you I, I don't spend a ton of my time anymore hunting in north carolina um now anyway uh, but it, if if i had to if i had to go do something in north carolina i would i would be shooting surf scoters and common scoters and bluebills and buffalo heads and maybe the occasional redhead or canvas back if i got lucky enough but right on that that's the extent of it man divers and sea ducks is is really the probably the the keystone for the north carolina coast you know i've dived into or not dived into i guess i could say dived into but uh diver ducks um those are really fun uh it's it's one of those deals where diver ducks and them sea ducks i've never shot a sea duck i've never seen any kind of sea duck hunting but that diver duck hunting can be extraordinary wouldn't you say yeah i i mean it's definitely 100 percent different man I've, I've had the opportunity to do quite a few different styles of hunting um but Diver and sea duck hunting is, is one of those things that you either really, really like it or you really, really don't. And, um, you know, I, I think that the style, you know, you're running long lines, you're hunting either out of a boat, out of a stationary blind, or out of a layout boat. I prefer to hunt out of a layout boat or, uh, or a boat blind. You know, it's, it's a different experience. There's a lot. It's not as, I would say that you're not, you don't have to be as focused on a hide as you do in hunting puddle ducks. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, a lot of people call divers and sea ducks dumb and, you know, I don't don't really think they're dumb, but I do think that there, there's less of a need to focus on a hide with divers and sea ducks as compared to, um, trying to hunt, you know, more particular, peculiar puddle ducks, man, for sure. They're just an interesting bird for sure. So you run combat waterfowl and I know I kind of wanted to speak about it. You know, can you give me a just rundown of what, it consists of what you do with it and what it's all involved with? I mean, the most simplest explanation that I could gather, I guess, for combat waterfowl is we are an apparel brand um, that is built around, I guess, you know, the majority of what we're built around anymore is is parody, man. Um, trying to take a different approach to waterfowl species and, and elements of waterfowl hunting that, you know, other people may look at differently than, than we do. You know, we try to present something that's, that's lighthearted, something that's funny. We do have some serious stuff, you know, that especially going into, you know, the end of this year and into next year, there's going to be some development uh, of our line and expansion of our line past, you know, just the parody aspect of it. But I guess, you know, I, I, I try to take waterfowl and waterfowl hunting seriously, you know, obviously, with respect to the sport itself, but from the aspect of the camaraderie and the community around it, try to take a more lightheaded or lighthearted approach to it. And I, I feel like that's pretty reflective in our brand and our content that we generate 
um, you know, I try to, I try to keep things fun, man. And, uh, it's some people's thing. It's some people's not, not favorite thing, you know, but I, I feel like we found success in our niche and I feel like we've, we've kind of owned and honed that niche over the last four years, man. And, and I'm, um, I'm proud to be a part of it. What's your correct, uh, or sorry, what's your, um, outlook on the reflection of waterfowl, like the waterfowl community and your outlook of it? It's divided, man it's big time divided to me when I, when I'm sitting out and I'm looking across forums and, and pages and groups and stuff like that, it's, it's big time divided. You have people that are old school, I'll, I'll say, and then you have people that are new school. Right. And it's like neither, neither group really wants to co-mingle or coexist with one another. You have these old school guys that are, you know, they're setting their ways and you know, they're, they're still rocking their Cabela's neoprene waders and they're, you know, still shooting, you know, their old Kent fast steel number twos. And then you have this new generation that, that is comprised of, of social media that's, you know, that's out there and, and the latest and greatest sick of gear. And, you know, neither, neither group really just wants to coexist. And that's my perception of it. Uh, other people might feel differently, but, you know, I definitely see, I see it being harder to be a new hunter in this time now more than ever um, you know somebody who's new who's coming into this sport I, I feel like they probably have a harder time now than they ever have and you just kind of want to bring in a new perception of gathering rather than dividing yeah man um there's a place for everybody exists in this sport there there truly is um there's not a there's not necessarily a right or a wrong way. I mean, obviously there are a couple you know, laws and legalities that you have to pay attention to, but as far as your approach to the sport, I mean, it doesn't have to be the old school way. I mean, you, it, I think that elements of, of what the new generation has to offer this sport are fantastic. Um, you know, the developments, just look at some of the developments in decoys and, and hunting equipment and implementations that, to this sport over the last five to 10 years. Um, you know, this is stuff that's being brought in by, by new people. This is, these are not old heads that are coming up with all this stuff, man. Um, you know, and I think that there's, there's a place for everybody. And, and I just wish that, I wish that the divide wasn't so great. And I, and I wish that some people that were more experienced um, would, would maybe try to, to help those folks out a little bit more rather than put them down. I agree with you a hundred percent. And that's why the conversation that we're having right now can be, an inspiring situation for a lot of people that may have an impact in the waterfowl community and don't need to take like a step forward, but as well, they don't need to take a step backward and, and cause more conflict in the community. Um, I try to like veer away from industry, even though it is an industry once you get involved with it and it's very scary, but it's also very fun um, with all the things that we do. But at the same time, there's a lot of gap and the gap needs to get filled like really fast. And what would be one of the first steps you would say for people that, you know, have an impact in the community to take? It could be the smallest step um, that you could give towards some people, I guess. Maybe an understanding and maybe maybe just thinking that not every single person out there is out to get you. I think that that that's a good starting place. Um, you know, I feel like all too many times, you know, people, people are hesitant or reluctant to share information. And, and I understand it when you're hunting public, when you're hunting public ground and you put in all this work to, to, you know, to find a spot and, and do all that. I get it. I'm not saying give away your hunting spot, but when you see somebody that is clearly not doing the right thing for whatever reason, whether that's intentional, most of the time, in my experience, it's unintentional. When you see that person doing it, don't take a video of it and post it on a Facebook group. Walk over there to him and say, hey, man, listen, I'm not sure if you're, you're new to the sport if, uh, or if you've been around a while, but, you know, I do it like this. And it's not saying not going over there and, and just being a straight-up dick to them, but maybe giving them, opening the door for them to ask a question. Because if they never know, if they never know, man, that what they're doing is maybe wrong, maybe unethical, maybe whatever, and nobody ever tells them, then they're just going to keep doing it. You know, I've had an experience in Pamlico Sound where, you know, I had a group set up really close to me. 
I mean, when I say really close, I mean like 200 yards. Not only is there a 500-yard blind, you have to be 500 yards away from another hunter, but that's a law in, in that county. But right. it's just simply not safe, man. Like, it's not good for you. It, it's not going to help them, and it's certainly not going to help me to be set up that close to one another, right? So instead of just, you know, shining lights at them, shooting guns at them, yelling at them and cussing at them, just walk over there and be like, hey, listen, man, I'm not sure, you know, if you've hunted here a lot, but, you know, here we're in Pamlico County, we, we have a, a blind law. You have to be 500 yards from another hunter. Uh, you're welcome to join my party. I'll join your party. Or if you'd like to find another spot, you're welcome to do that. We got here a little bit before you. No harm, no foul. This is just, you know, and, and don't be a dick. I mean, I guess it's don't be a dick. They had no idea. They didn't even know. You know, yes, it's their fault. It's their responsibility. They should have read the regulation. I get it. But you don't have to. You don't have to belittle somebody or, or get pissed off about it just because somebody doesn't know better. I, I can sit there and agree with you. And there's other people that know all the regulations. And I'm playing devil's advocate, so don't you know? Don't bash me on this because oh. you know. I mean, this is this is a a con- conflict of you know argument. And I'm not going to sit here and argue with you. But some of them people they cause the issue just because they know the issue already. And that's the biggest one. It's a lot of people that know the issue and they just keep doing it. You know what I mean? Right. And there's, there's a degree of ignorance there. Right. But exactly. even, even stepping up to that person and calling them out for that in a respectful way is still better than showing I, your ass dick. Absolutely. And I, I agree with that a hundred percent because there, people are scared nowadays of um, confrontation. People love typing on the keyboard before they ever get confrontation. And then when, once a confrontation comes their way, it's like either one or two things: they, you know, tail goes underneath the underneath their body, or they end up causing more conflict. You know, but there's a lot of people that do choose to actually conversate what's going on. Yeah. Absolutely. And I, I think that's better for everybody, man. And I'm not just, I'm not sitting here on a high horse, like preaching peace to everybody, but at the end of the day, man, like if you, if you see something that's going wrong, I'm a big proponent of doing something about it. You know, at the end of the day, our generation of hunters is if we don't, if we don't help another generation of hunters after us, our sport will cease to exist. And I don't want to see, duck hunting and waterfowl hunting in general i don't want to ever see the sport go away and the more the more divide you put in it the easier that is to happen do you think the divide is individually within states or beyond um like just the whole community because i'm trying to like dive into this even more in depth like you know your divide might be different from my divide so you know i can't just there's really nobody that hunts 500 feet away from me, you know, in that situation. So there's there's a lot of different divide. But I have stopped by, you know, the uh, some people that are younger than me. I'm young. I'm 24 years old and have seen scouters out there and stopped by. And I was like, hey, do you have permission for this? Blah, blah, blah. You know, I didn't want to step on their feet because they're probably just like, oh, fuck them. You know, this and that and the other. So, you know, I'm not saying that I've taken the step forward every vehicle because I'm the conflict too of it. You know, it's like, what are they doing over here? So, you know, there's, yeah. there's turn for everybody um, to just, and if you're a guide or an owner of an outfitter, you know, there's a lot of different um, statues of that um, having to stop and talk to them or this, that, the other, yeah. you know, to your question, there's, I've, in, you know, I've had the pleasure of hunting in quite a few different States and, and geographic areas, man, you know, from my, from my side outside looking in, in North Carolina, you have, I would say, limited areas where you can hunt, you know. So all those people are kind of crammed in one area or, or a couple of particular areas where, you know, there's a lot of hunters. And there's not really a lot of birds to go around in the grand scheme of things when you compare the Atlantic Flyway to some of the other flyways. But I think that, you know, you go places in the upper Midwest where – you can knock on some random dude's door on a Sunday and get permission to hunt his property. You know, that, that is the geographical thing. It doesn't, it does not exist here. You coming down here, if you see a pile of geese in a field down here, you know, really we only have resident geese. Uh, we don't get a ton of migrating Canada geese. If you knock on somebody's door and you ask for permission to go shoot those geese, I would almost without certainty tell you that you're going to get told no. Yeah. Um, 
getting permission on land down here is, is impossible. And then, you know, I've been in the Southern, you know, area, you know, Oklahoma area and everything out there is financially driven. You know, if you want to hunt this, you're going to pay for it. There, the, the times of getting permission for free are few and far between. And I think that if I'm being, if I'm being brutally honest, I think outfitters have a lot to do with that. Um, but I also think that that's not necessarily a bad thing. No. You know, if, if I'm a landowner and I have an opportunity, especially if you're a landowner that has that amount of property, more than likely you're a farmer and, you know, farmers don't always make the most money in the world. Um, my grandfather's a farmer, so I get it. If they have an opportunity to, to put themselves and their families in a better position, then why wouldn't they do that? But I also understand the other side of that coin too. So, you know, I get, I definitely think to your question specifically, yes, I do think that geographically it's different. Access is different. People are different. You know, it's, it's totally, it's totally different depending on where you go, but you have to figure out as a hunter, you have to figure out how to circumnavigate that. You know, if you're in an area where getting permission is incredibly difficult, then you need to find a way to wedge yourself in there, offer support to that landowner or do whatever you need to do to get, get, get permission. You know, if you have to pay for it and lease it, then that's what you have to do. How bad do you want to hunt? You know, it's either that or you're going to pay for, you're going to pay for a guided trip or you're going to go somewhere else. Yeah. And the basis of this topic is that everything that we're talking about individually, the person can perceive it how they want and take it to their individual state and their individual statue of what's happening. You know, you have to be able to control and then take over. You know, there's a, there's a certain time where you can't just get told what to do. You got to start taking control of your own um, problems and needs. You know, if you're not doing anything wrong, then that's fine. But at the same time, like we've talked about, if somebody else is doing something wrong in your area and you know that it's not ethically right for them to be doing what they're doing, like you said, just go up and talk to them because at the end of the day, they're probably the same person as you and they've probably been hunting the same area as you. Maybe not the whole time that you have been, but it's, it's just that conversation that can be sparked and more knowledge that can be spent towards them. And if, and if they don't want to hear any knowledge or anything of that nature, they're probably not going to push forward to what we're talking about, but at least you tried. And that's the biggest thing is trying to, push the mo or the motive forward, you know? Right. I mean, at the end of the day, man, if, as long as you can lay your head down and sleep good about it, then, you know, that's, that's, it's an individual responsibility to affect change. In my opinion, um, you know, you can, you can, you can go along with the masses and keep things the way they are. You can step out and be different and take that, that moment of vulnerability and walk up to somebody and say, you know, this is how I feel about this or that. You know, um, at, at least, you know, from a hunting, a hunting perspective, you know, I think, you know, from, if you're talking like from the, from the business side of things, you know, I can't speak, I'm not a guide, I'm not an outfitter, yeah. but like from my apparel brand, you know, in the last six months or so, you know, I've, there's been three brands that I can think of that have gone down a very, very similar path to what we're doing. Um, and that really arcs my nerves man you know um so you know from a from the guide standpoint of I, I i don't know how to i don't know how to say where you know where that line is you know i think there's um i think then somebody's being intentional about doing harm to you or to what you're trying to do i feel like that kicks it up a notch and you know at, at sometimes you got to stand your ground but at the end of the day if you try to do the right thing i think i think you come out better man absolutely and there's so many fine lines to everything, you know, guides, apparel lines, um, photographers, videographers, the list goes on and it seems like everybody gets stomped on like tremendously. And it's, and it, I don't think that whole stomping on thing is going to, is going to end because everybody wants to be at the dream and it's the people that want to actually climb and divide and conquer their time that's needed to carry on a dream. And, you know, I'm trying to figure out where to go with this, but there's a lot of people that just stomp rather than actually reflecting on what they're doing, you know? Yeah. I mean, I can think of, you know, <laughs> a guy in Arkansas that, that's made some pretty big issues for himself. You know, I'm sure you probably know who I'm talking about. And then, <laughs> you know, you've got 
a really big YouTuber who went down a path and made some, you know, made some people really angry. And, um, you know, I mean, there's, there's people in this field that, that do it to themselves too. You know, like you gotta, you gotta have some self-reflection. You do, you do. And see, there's, oh man, I don't know where to take this because it's, it's a point of, <laughs> it's a point of conflict of like, you know, there, there's a lot of red lines in this conversation. <laughs> there's a lot of red lines and, which one do you want to sign and die? Because this is recorded, you know? <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I didn't name drop anybody. Oh, no, I ain't name dropping no one. And I'd, I'd appreciate if you don't name drop anyone. But, no, uh, um, but you know what I mean, though? I mean, there's 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 people that there's people that do it to themselves. And then, you, there's, you know, there's so many other people that are out there that are just doing some awesome things that are positive, man, um, that are that are really doing that work. And I think that, you know, especially I think those, I think the people that are, that are no doers and no good doers, those people weed themselves out eventually. I will say um, the fake will fall and the true yeah. will, the true will fucking climb. I've always said that. Yeah. It, it, will, it will come a time because social media is growing vastly fast, like, or sorry, very fast, but there will be a time that the fake people that post on social media and, they will fall. They will fall. This social media amplified stuff will fall eventually. It's just like, um, gosh dang it, the economy, you know? The economy goes up, then it falls, and it goes up, then it goes fall. You know, this is the same shit. It could, it could fall at any time. You know, reels are the biggest thing right now. They could fall at any yeah. time. Absolutely. And, and, I mean, I think that that has to be, like, if you – if you are in this industry, it has to be a big point to be active on social media. And like, I don't, I, I mean, that's how everybody connects with people now. That's how you connect to businesses, the family. That's how you connect to everything is through social media. And that, you know, really changed big time, at least in the last, I would say probably 10 years. I would say that it's it's really started to kind of take over everything. And I don't know, man, that, that is, there is any going back. There isn't. That there isn't. I don't I don't believe there is because of how fast it's it's came up. And I on that go ahead. On that same note though, I I I'm not upset about it because what it's done for me, like I can I can speak for myself. What social media has done for me has pushed me to have to become better. Like I have to become at least, you know, like in the brand space, you know, like I have to shoot better content. It's pushed me to learn so much more about photography and videography. And I have so much more to learn, you know, but the, the better other people do, the more it pushes me to do better and, and learn more and do more as a waterfowl hunter, as a videographer, um, as a brand owner in this industry, you have to continue to strive to do better. If you don't, you, you also will fail. I will say that if it wasn't for Instagram, I wouldn't be able to schedule any guest speakers. <laughs> there would be no way. Like how, if I did, you know, by ear, you know, each person that I had on, like who, who do you know that, that I could have on next? Like that worked great when I first started, but it's hard to try to amplify something that you're trying to businessly run you know what i mean and that's where on the topic of what you're speaking is social media is a very good blessing like very good and it makes you want to become better you don't want to like follow somebody else's path but you almost just want to involve yourself more with what you're doing because you start gaining more attraction or this or that the other the third or even if you don't like keep doing what you're doing is all i get at you know yeah absolutely no, I, I'm with you on that, man. I think, like I said, man, I mean, there's, there's an element of, there's an element of competition in the majority of us. And, you know, that, that competition, you know, I think is a necessary, a necessary thing. I think it definitely, it definitely pushes, it pushes the, the good to be better. And, um, you know, I, I guess the, the realization too, that, you know, at least from a personal standpoint, you know, like I, I look at, I look at other brands. I look at other content creators. I look at Absolutely. other videographers. 
and you know i see things that i i i i like you know that i admire and i try to find a way to do something different um you know and that's something that's big about our brand is that it it exists kind of in this space that nobody else really occupies so that's a blessing for me um you know not every not every waterfowl apparel brand has that luxury you know there's a lot of people that that kind of all exist in the same space and maybe they do a little bit of stuff different or a little bit of that um but when you have something that kind of nobody else is occupying um it is a blessing in that you know you can you have i guess more creative um creative liberty um, which is which is a cool thing man it's uh it is but it's also um it's also something that that is a struggle to keep up with too i mean you 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 always you always see something um and, and try to try to do it different and do it better for your own. Well, I will <laughs> I will say being different is is hard, but you have to do it to catch different eyes, you know, if that makes any sense. Like you have yeah. to you have to constantly be on the ball and sometimes being different costs more money, costs more time because Oh yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you you a lot of people get discouraged when they start something. You know, you there's there's millions of last name their their last name outdoors pages on Instagram, and they 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 fall fast, and they some of them don't care, and some of them just get disgruntled right away. That oh my gosh, I'm not getting enough likes, or I'm not getting enough of this or that. And it's like you can't just post photos of you hunting ducks or you with behind a duck pile or whatever. You have to choose a different motive than everybody else whatever it may be you have to find it and if you can't find it just keep digging <laughs> i don't know man I've, I've dug a lot of holes in the work that i do nowadays and i got to find a cable that's three feet deep i know it's three feet deep i'm not going to start stop at six inches you get what i'm saying i'm going to find it and that's how I, that's I how life is to, i think you have to give something I, I think you have to give something to your audience that that they want to be involved with you know like you have to produce content. You have to produce whatever your niche or whatever your area is. Like you have to be able to project yourself that to a place where people want to be a part of what you're doing for whatever reason, you mm -hmm. know, whatever it is, you know, like through, through this podcast, you know, you have a pretty unique style and way of doing your podcast and the way that your episodes go, that is vastly different from a lot of other people's podcasts. And it, it enables open conversation and it's something, you know, that people want to, people want to partake in, you know, and if you like from a brand perspective, if you are able to showcase a message that people believe in and that people want to be a part of, you can find success in that, you know, just posting a picture of a duck that that's emotionless. You have to give something, you have to do something that impacts people's emotions and, and it's organic and it's real. Um, you know, because if, again, like you said to your point earlier, you know, the fake will fall, you have to be genuine about it. You know, like you have to have, you have to have something or be able to be vulnerable in some way so that people relate to it. People believe in you and people want to be a part of what you're doing. And you have to be humble. That's the biggest thing that I've learned throughout this, yeah, this sir. path is like, if you do start to gain attraction and I'm not saying I'm famous by any means. Because I'll be honest, like, I'm not going to sit here and speak my analytics because that's not for, for viewer stuff because I don't care about analytics. Like, I don't care about blah, 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 blah. But what I will say is that I've had a lot of people come towards me and say certain things. And I'm like, man, I still don't believe that because I'm still just having fun of what I'm doing. And people need to start believing in that in themselves. It's like, just be humble about what you're doing. Even if it's small scale, large scale, the biggest fucking scale, if you're Trump, still fucking be humble. You know what I mean? Yeah, you have to have fun, man. At the end of the day, when you take the fun out of something, it ruins it. And that's ultimately, like, my goal. Like, if you take the fun out of waterfowl hunting, it ruins it for me. Yeah, I'm not going to be miserable. Like, I'm going to go have fun. You know, like, you can be as miserable as you want to. I have the most fun when I'm out there. Um, <laughs> I do, too. You know, whether whether it's a shit day or, or what, you know, like, it's still, it's still going to be a good time, man. I can think of plenty of hunts that I've been on that, you know, we're, we're trash if you, if you looked at it from a numbers perspective, but you know, there's, there's something that happened that day or, you know, 
you learned something new or tried something different or something like if you find a way to take something positive away from it and like that's that's the end of the day the the right the right aim to look at and that's another thing i try to speak about highly on here is that take a step back and like look at what you're doing you know you're not at home watching damn youtube videos of hunting you're actually out there trying to fucking hunt Okay. Like, yeah. Be happy that you're out there hunting. You're out in the field, and if you're not out in the field, your ass better be scouting, because then you're still yeah. outside and you're still fucking trying. You know, and there's always that meme of, oh, here comes a season of, um, where's my invite? This and that. Man, you should shy away from that. You know what I mean? Because those people, you should just ignore them messages. I mean, <laughs> dude, I saw this TikTok yesterday. And I deleted was, that uh, fucking app for the seventh, tenth, millionth time now, and I hope I don't re-download it. It's a time trap, oh. dude. But I saw this video, and this guy had like his phone kind of like propped up on his garage door, I guess, facing his driveway, and he was standing behind his, uh, standing behind his boat, with some like wrenches and screwdrivers in his hand, being stupid, looking at his motor. You know, it was running. It was a mud motor. And uh, he was like currently converting my motor to run on thank yous, you know. <laughs> <laughs> fucking that. I like those memes of people that they, they go, I got my engine, or they got engines that work on water now. And then it's like the memes of, ooh, kill them because the government or whatever. <laughs> yeah, okay. No, we need to get off TikTok subject because Levi is not re downloading that. <laughs> You're not going back down that rabbit hole. Huh? No, because it would. I would look at my screen time on my phone, and it would be, you know, those bars that fill up or whatever show you. Yeah, TikTok was like three or four or ten times larger than even, like, Snapchat. And I'm on Snapchat quite a bit, and that was disgruntled, you know. <laughs> when TikTok, TikTok had more screen time than my Instagram, which is, like, business for me, that's when I was like, okay, no, no more, no more. Well, I got to get away from and I was on an account warning, and I'm like, okay, if I even post a freaking flying goose, I'm probably going to get banned, so let's just end all be all, and yeah. Anyway. Yeah, you definitely have to, you definitely have to change what you do um, to a certain degree to exist what you, there. What do you mean a certain degree? You got to change every fucking thing you do on TikTok to post on TikTok. You literally, in a waterfall means you have to like literally not post what you're doing at all. Like at all. Don't show guns and don't show dead ducks. However, I have discovered if a dog is carrying back a dead duck, it's fine. Yeah, but if there's tits and ass showing, that's not a part a part of their guidelines. Which that is so true, though. It, I, I don't know how. <laughs> I do not know how. As that, a man, I shouldn't say this on here, but when it did happen, I wasn't upset, but I would be terribly upset, <laughs> you know, when it got fucking finished off, you know. I don't have a wife or kids or girlfriend, so it's pretty easy for me to say that. So, it just—it's you see some of the stuff. I, I completely agree. You see some of the stuff, and you're like, "How does this exist?" But like, you can't—you can't literally show a shotgun. You know? You wanna, or, sorry, I don't mean to cut you off, but we're on this topic. Okay, I've watched this guy's stuff on Tik or not on on Instagram, and it's actually pretty convincing. And my buddy Colby guy sent it to me through Instagram. This guy, he goes. It was on another podcast, and they said that, you know, TikTok is owned by China, okay? Now, China, yeah. their TikTok algorithm, they will emphasize and give feedback, you know, like put them on the, the For You page for kids that are engineering stuff and this and that to make more kids want to do engineering. What kind of stuff is on TikTok in the U.S.? Kids dancing, kids doing stupidest shit that you could ever imagine, eating random stuff and doing stupid stuff. That's the algorithm that they force and give to us on the For You page so that the Americans get dumber. And then that China, since they can't win a war with guns or anything like that, they're going to win the war with the Internet. It's not. Okay, so as conspiracy theorists and that as is not conspiracy, hat, <laughs> as tinfoil hat as that sounds, it does make sense. What, I, I, I know I'm right there with you, but it's like. I don't have China's algorithm, but right. China is smarter in that sense. Now think about this. What did Trump try to do when he was in office? Take TikTok down. Think about it. Oh yeah. Think Absolutely. about it. 
He's smarter than people think. I'm not, okay, I'm not a Trump enthusiast. I love Trump, whatever, okay, not getting into politics. But let's put it this way. If Trump was trying to delete TikTok, there is business reasons why he was trying to do that, okay? Yeah, I was just going to say, I was just going to say, he. you can call him whatever you want, but he's a businessman. He sees through the picket fence, that little peak hole. Oh, yeah. He can see right fucking through it, okay? You know what I mean? Uh, I'm not disagreeing with you, not in the least. Because where, where on TikTok, and I've scrolled TikTok hundreds of millions of times, okay? <laughs> yeah, we know. You're screen <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I have never once... You see people get, you know, algorithms off of 3D printers. I don't give a fuck about 3D printers. They're cool and all, but it don't take much engineering space, okay? But where have you seen a lot of, like... Like... <laughs> A lot of knowledge. Yeah, you learn how to fucking put a tire, a, <laughs> a ratchet strap up so you don't have to zip tie it to your ratchet strap. Cool. I did learn that on TikTok, okay? But that didn't make me 10 times smarter. That just saved my my day at work, like, at least a minute or two each day. You know, you get what I'm saying? Where have you seen, like, very knowledgeable stuff on TikTok? Uh, not very often. And, I mean, it goes deeper for me. So, you like, if, if we want to talk about, like, you know, deep, impactful, and, and meaningful things about TikTok. Let's talk about this. That app is dominated by people under 25. Oh, for sure. All right. So you're talking ages, you know, 18. Well, probably people, anybody with a phone up through the age of 25 is probably the largest demographic. Okay. And these people at such impressionable ages are idolizing you know there's there's creators out there that have millions and millions and millions of followers that their full-time job is is doing social media and i'm not here to you know discount somebody's craft but you know what i will say is that these are these are these kids are like idolizing and following these people who they truthfully at the end of the day only know who they are based on a 15 second video and at what point you know does this platform and does this app cause too much negative influence on the youth kind of tying into you know the the tenfold hat idea that, that you had earlier about yeah. you know trying to dumb us down i mean literally I, I i think that these creators are opening the door for something very dangerous to happen with this generation that's coming up and we can bring this topic with hunting because what do we get we get a slap not just on the wrist but we get our accounts banned and everything because they know that hunting, they, they, they know, they just know, they know hunting brings a lot of life to people. And I won't get into the whole, like, Oh, we kill birds or whatever. We do a lot more than just kill birds. And they know that. And they're taking away the thought of a younger generation kid, you know, the age of 25 and below where that age you're still, even to the age of 25, you're still trying to figure out what you're trying to do. You are. Like, I'm, st- I'm still trying to figure out what I'm doing. Yeah, people see me they have th- that, that I have a camera and I have a podcast here. Motherfucker, I still have a day job. This isn't my full time. I'm still trying to figure out what I'm going to do. This, is, this yeah. is fun and hopefully it makes something. But what I'm getting at is they're taking the idea of trying to get somebody what they're actually meant to do in this world. You know? Yeah. No, I, uh, I completely agree with you. They want um, to funnel us. <laughs> it ain't working on me because I'm already past that point. But they, I deleted that. App. Yeah, I deleted that app. But no, they they want to <laughs> funnel people's minds that dancing in front of a phone while it's recording is going to make yourself more attraction and famous. Everybody in this damn world wants to be famous. Maybe, maybe not some guy in the boonies in Florida because he's just catching frogs. That's a different story. Okay. <laughs> but there's a lot of people that want to be famous and want to be known. Everybody wants that that thousand likes or that thousand views. It's it's inevitable. But back to the funneling subject is they're trying to funnel all the good to the dumb. And that's my perception. You know, I might be hated for that. And back to what you were saying, it's not hatred on the people that are making money off of it because they... <laughs> they're making easy money aren't they they're making yeah. they're making easy money but at the same time we don't see all the hard work that they put in you know but that's devil's advocate you know we could get it really deep into that but 
I love to bring this aspect into the hunting world as well, you know, because we can't we can't post on there to the fullest extent to show true, you know. Yeah, you can't. I mean, you can't take it. You can't possibly. And two, like, you can't do all that in fifteen seconds. Even if, no. even if you could post dead ducks on on TikTok, right, or shooting ducks. There's so much else that goes into it that you can't show in 15 seconds. I mean, you can't show three weeks worth of scouting and, you know, knock on, knock on, knock out on a door asking for permission or, you know, staying up, you know, in a, in a field and, and sitting on it on public land, you know, or whatever, man, like you cannot show all that, all that this sport is um, in 15 seconds. And the truth about TikTok is that, you know, you have 15 seconds to, to really grab somebody's attention. And if you don't, then they're going, they're moving on. I bet you YouTube really hates Instagram reels and TikTok reels because they do have to hate it because it's, it's, it's shortened my attention span. I'll admit it because after I downloaded TikTok, however many years ago, I can't watch YouTube videos that are 15, 20 minutes long that actually have a story. Okay. No, I can like Grant Sinclair's and, and, um, so uh, there's other there's other media people out there that make stories, but they make them fun, you know. Yeah. What I'm getting at is my attention span has gotten ruined because of reels and everything. Here's another subject, Kay. What will happen to businesses if Instagram starts to act like TikTok? I'm saying in the hunting world, we will be oh, fucked. I do. <laughs> we'll be screwed. Oh. Like no 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 pictures of dead animals or nothing. No guns. Think about it. They could fall. And censorship is a real thing. Absolutely could happen. You look at so it already happened on YouTube. It did what? YouTube demonetized all hunting channels, did it not? I'm pretty sure it did. Really? I'm I was I believe I read somewhere that YouTube demonetized hunting channels. Um somebody might correct me if I'm wrong there, but I, I believe I did hear that. Um obviously you can still make your money on your sponsorships or, or whatever, but as far as I believe YouTube organically paying hunting channels. I believe that stopped. Um, hmm. And obviously, you know, to your point about YouTube hating TikTok and Instagram Reels, yeah, that's why they created their own version of it. Did they? You know, they saw this. Yes, there's short. I think it's called like YouTube Shorts or something. Oh yeah, because yeah, I've seen some ads about it. About never mind. I'm not going to finish that conversation. But yeah. But yeah. <laughs> so I mean, obviously, obviously, the, it it's taking it's taking away from their business so they created something in the likes of it hoping to to you know recoup some of their followers you know this can kind of like regroup to the beginning of our conversation about dividing because while all this is happening if we do not join together as one and this isn't me trying to be some <laughs> you know pastor or nothing like that but what i'm getting at is while we're all sitting here divided, if we don't work together to show more and fight for what we have on social media so that we can share it with our friends and family and viewers, man, they're going to attack us while we're down together, and then we'll have nothing to show. I think that people need to also, like, I think that people need to showcase more of the conservation aspect of this sport, right. too. Like, I, I feel like that's such a thing that is not publicized enough you know and, and i don't mean by conservation i don't mean showing up at a de banquet or a delta banquet or something like that i mean you know active conservation um you know there's still a, a hell of a lot of people that don't realize that the money from purchasing a federal duck stamp goes directly back into waterfowl conservation there's a ton of people that have no idea that that's what happens with that money i did read it was a like uh i'm not a big law person or this and that but you know, it was a, a law passed like back in the 1900s that when you purchase that, that that money absolutely gets filtered right back and it cannot get used for absolutely anything else. No government money or nothing like gets filtered back to right what it's getting bought for. Yeah, that's that's a fact, man. And that's what, you know, like there's we don't have to go into the anti hunters topic at right, all. Right, right. We're not anti hunters. And yeah, but what I will say is that there are a lot of people that believe that are against what we do. that don't realize that we do more for conservation mm -hmm. than the organizations that are trying to stop us that think that they're doing something for conservation. 
we are paying for that bird to have more habitat. We are paying for that bird to live a happier life. Yeah, we kill them. I get it. Yeah, I've gotten over the word of harvest. I used to be a peer component when I first started this saying harvest. I'm over that now. And I will be the first one to say that I used to say that. But we kill birds, but at the same time, we create homes for that birds. Because I can tell you one thing, and I've had this conversation before. Sally and Dally and Rick and Bob, the ones that hate hunters, they're the first sons of bitches that are buying a house on that new development that just whopped out trees and other <laughs> habitat for everything. And they're sitting there. Deer. Dude, I'm serious. Think about it. Now those deers have I, to find a new home 10 miles away or 8 miles away. No, you're 100% correct. And I, and I think, you know, like things, so I guess to tie this back into like somebody listening to this, like what can you do, right? Um, things that you could do uh, is participate or organize. You know, um, if you see Dude, it can be as simple as like you're you're traveling. If you hunt a river system and you see trash in that river while you're going hunting or while you're you know out with your family or while you're fishing in the off season or whatever, whatever you can do to preserve that habitat, pick it up, man. You know, or when you get done in a field, not only is it common courtesy to pick up your shells and shit like that, but it's the right thing to do. You know what I mean? Like when and I guess you know not to not to say that I'm trying to cater to you know those people or whatever, but I try not to you know, like breast birds out on a tailgate, you know, on a public road or anything like that. You know, I try to do that not where it's obvious of what's going on just because, mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't want to give anybody any other reason to hate what we do, you know. Um, and that's just, that's just my thought. I mean, some people have really taken up, um, they've taken up residence in this idea that, you know, uh, killing animals is, is bad and, and all of this and that while they're literally going to a grocery store and purchasing animals that are killed in substantially less humane ways than what we do, um, mm-hmm. that lives shitty lives. At least the, you know, the birds that we're out there killing are living awesome lives in the wild doing what they want to do, you know? Exactly. I don't know. No, you- just a different way. Absolutely. You know who is a badass on the subject that we're talking about? Steve right now. There's a there's a Netflix or Netflix um, movie that uh, something of the wild or something wild or whatever. And he literally put himself on a argument pedestal with anti hunters. Like there's like 15 or 20 of them and they are sitting there bashing him about hunting and then he's just taking them and shooting them right back at him. Not actual shooting them back, like you know, like answering them back, but the most like, like mental like way that he could do it. And I, you know, anybody that's ever been an anti hunter, if they ever came towards me, I'd be like, just watch this movie and then come back and talk to me because everything that I could <laughs> possibly say, that man will speak it even in a larger sense because my mind can be small at some points and then be very large at some points. But no, that's <laughs> yeah. But it's 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 fun to talk about it because there's so many roads and paths to of conversations that can be told, you know, and these conversations should be spoke of more unconditionally while you're around the fire, you know, and having fun while you're out of camp and everything like that. But these conversations that we're kind of having, I wish they would happen more at duck camps and goose camps and deer camps and things of that nature, because it would combine us all together a lot more, you know. Yeah, you got to find the common ground somewhere, man. Yeah. Like at the end of the day, whether you know whether you're an old school dude or whether you're a new school dude, you both you both really enjoy waterfowl hunting. There's a common ground there. You know, um, you can find you can find common conversation with just about anybody. I think. It's funny that you say old school and new school because I was in Yankton, South Dakota, with my buddy Matt Zilla and Alex Leonardo, and we were sitting there doing a podcast, just kicking it back, talking about outfitters and this and that and Mattzilla's dad in the background spoke up because we were talking about how outfitters you know buy leases and this and that and he's like I don't find it fair and Matt didn't really like it but I kind of like fed off of it I was like well what's your side and he's like you know I've been coming here for years and now stuff is getting leased out and I can't hunt it you know and there's that old school and I could see it in his eyes you know I seen it in his eyes that he was disgruntled about it and I played devil's advocate with him and it was a very good like not argument. It was a good conversation. And you could hear him in the background and stuff like that where you got to see their side too. But at the same time, they got to see that change has came. Just like when they grew up, change <laughs> change came in their time. 
you know it changes happen every day tomorrow hell you know you never know what's gonna happen you don't and years go on and things change so you got to find a way to adapt if you still want to kill birds man i mean it's just what it is i mean it it's not like the right answer maybe necessarily but at the same time you know it is the answer you know you our state is a perfect example of adapt and overcome if if you want to shoot consistently shoot puddle ducks in north carolina and i'm not talking about like wood ducks i'm talking about like quality puddle ducks mallards teal yadwall widgeon pintail and you, and you want to do that in north carolina you're going to be doing it in an impoundment where there's planted corn and or milo or millet or whatever those impoundments are all privately owned man it that's just the way it is like and that's a that's a money thing that's a pay to play you gotta you gotta pay to play it's not an it's not a cheap thing to own an impoundment it's very expensive and there's a lot of things that go into it um but those people they have birds man um and it's it it, it sucks that it has to be that way they're gonna hold the birds there because there's consistent food there whereas you know in a lot of you know your public waterways and stuff like that there's not there's not great feeding opportunities for puddle ducks in in a lot of public areas um for a variety of reasons you know mismanagement of resources natural you know natural disaster you know hurricanes come through and and wipe things out and um you know it's just it is the way it is i mean you gotta adapt adapt and overcome it's everything in life, you know, you got to adapt and overcome daily challenges. You know, everybody deals with daily challenges. And if, if you can take your daily challenges that you deal with life into the hunting aspect of what you do, man, you'll be so much more happier. You really will. Like I've, when I first started goose hunting or even around my area, which there is no outfitters, man, I was getting no's left and right. Not because the farmers didn't like me or anything. It's because I didn't know how to ask them appropriately. I didn't know the right way and the most trustworthy way to present myself. And that came with years, you know, I, I'm nine years in and I, man, I can't kill geese like some people, but I sure as hell have fun the way I do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I guess. So like at the end of that conversation that you had with him, where you guys were kind of, you know, playing or talking on opposite sides of the fence, you know, like what, where was the point of commonality or did that, did that happen for you? Like, did you, did you find common ground in there or was it just kind of, uh, you know, you guys, you have your way, he has his way and, and that's it. No, I don't think it was his way and our way. Um, I think he wanted to speak up and I, I applaud it, but I do think when we were saying things and I can't remember it to this day cause it was, you know, it was some time ago, like six or seven months ago, it was during hunting season and I will say he was nodding his head, you know, yes, and this and that. And at the same time, though, he had some very valid points. But I feel like he was agreeing with some of the stuff we were saying. And it was a, you know, I, I should re-listen to it to on um, my, whatever my drive is to work tomorrow, you know, like, because that, that kind of stuff, it just re-enlights you with what's going on. And I will say he, there wasn't common grounds, but it wasn't a divided road. You know, the road was kind of like, right next to each other if that makes sense yeah no i I get it um and i think that's that should be the goal you know like you don't have to i don't i don't ever find a need for somebody to agree with me i just find a need to want to be able to respect somebody else's point of view and have my point of view respected also as well and that's what i try to do with every guest speaker i have on here and i try to throw stuff in your face right off the bat with some of the conversation we said because I'm not the type of person to sit here and just agree and agree and agree to make myself look good to whoever's listening to this. No, man, if I, if I have something to say, I'm going to say it, you know, cause I got to play devil's advocate because it's a, it's a conversation. And if I don't build off this conversation, if I just sat here and I'm like, yeah, Robert, you're right on everything. <laughs> you know, this podcast would have ended 30 minutes ago because yeah. we started something that blossomed because I actually, play devil's advocate and there's a lot of devil's advocate to everything, but there is common grounds to everything too. But everybody has a voice to be heard. You know, you can't be just set in your ways a hundred percent on everything, you know? No, not at all. I, uh, I, I will say though that, you know, through, 
through this. I didn't expect this conversation to go down. Uh, <laughs> down. I didn't either. Um, you know, I, I, uh, I definitely was not exactly what I had in mind. Not, not in a bad way. I'm not, not saying that. Right. But I'm mean, a cool part of it, man. And every, every one of your episodes, it kind of goes in that kind of goes where you don't expect it. Like I told, um, like I told you, not to cut you off, but I told you from the beginning, I, I don't write scripts. I don't write, I don't write questions out for each individual person or person because of what they do or this, that, the other. It's, it's a natural conversation, you know. And I'm very raw. Okay, I'm very raw about what I post. I'm not gonna edit this. I'll put it in my SD card reader and I'll post this sob just the way it is. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and if people don't like it. Man, that sucks for them, and it sucks for me, but I don't care because I'm still going to go on with my life. The best part about it, buddy, it's your fucking show. <laughs> yeah, that is true. That is true. And there's there's people probably that don't like it, and they're probably... No, never mind. <laughs> I was going to say they're part of the problem, but then I'm just playing conflict to what we're saying, so no, I'm not going to I'm not gonna dive well, into it. Everybody, man. If, well, if somebody if somebody doesn't like what you're putting out, they can go listen to something else. If somebody doesn't like what I'm doing, then go buy something else, man. I mean, it, it, at the end of the day, you know it, that it's who am I to be mad about it? You know, right. um, I do understand it though. You know, like um, if if somebody has a problem with something that I'm doing, I, I want to understand their point of view. Not saying that it will change what I'm doing. It might, but I I do want to understand it. Yeah, and I think another thing that a lot of people need to start doing is, and I'm learning too, is to stop caring about what, or stop trying to be liked by everyone. Because every, you can't. You can't. And that's the best thing about being a person. Because the mind is so different. So different. And you got to be yourself. Because if you start trying to do everything what's likable by everyone, you're going to go down some rabbit hole and cause yourself more stress that you've ever fucking wanted to be because you're not doing what you fucking love to do, you know, at all. Yeah. It, you know, we, so I guess, you know, I can give an, I can give a personal example from, you know, something like that. Right. So when our coot shirt dropped, like we came out with that coot shirt, sitting on the back, you know, hand stand on a pile of bush light cans, you know, gold chain, the whole bit, right. Cuticus was born. When that dude was born and we went down the road of, of that kind of stuff and started really hammering that parody stuff, there were a ton of people that, you know, had been following us or, or had been customers of ours prior to that that never placed another order. You know, I'm not gonna buy I'm not gonna buy something that, that has a beer can on it. Like, okay, dude, that that's cool, but I I really like Bush Light, man. Like it, you you <laughs> yeah. want me to change and the amount of people that were like, Can you change it to a Miller Light can or can you change it to Coors? No. No, I no, I can't do that for a couple of reasons. One, this is our shirt and it says fucking Bush Light. And if you don't if you don't like that, then I understand, but why like this is what we this is what we are, are doing, you know, like this is what we've put out there and you know, like this is something that, that we wanted to do. And it's not like, I'm not trying to be a dick or anything, but like if, if, if I, why should I change an entire company for one person? You know? And that's just, I don't know. Just like if somebody came at you and said, well, I really hate the fact that you, you know, you curse on your show. Well, <laughs> that's <might> would be <laughs> you, yeah. Would you change your entire podcast? Cause one dude came up to you and said, Hey dude, like, I really think it's inappropriate to use the word fuck on your podcast. No, I've had people tell me that. Um, no, I haven't, but I will say other people have reached out to me and conflicted me about saying that I called Canadian geese. And if this guy's still listening, great. Anyways, I was calling Canada geese, Canadian geese, and he wanted to rephrase me on several episodes. And I've had other people tell me I'm illiterate and this and that. Well, here, listen to this. Go to Joe Rogan's podcast, the first episode. Let me know if he sounds the same as his, that he's at the thousands or whatever it is. Give me that. And then I'll then I'll listen to you. Because not everybody starts perfect. <laughs> no. Not at all. But at the end of the day, like we're all learning, dude. Yeah, we're all still having fun. Hey, on this real topic, and this is kind of playing devil's advocate. I haven't been using that word like hell, but... Man, if you could make me a t-shirt, and this is like combat waterfowl and goose gossip working together, and hopefully nobody takes this idea. They probably will. Who cares? But it's going to be our idea. Okay, you ready? It's going to be we a, said it for Yeah, it's going to be a goose drinking a Coors banquet, okay? 
And then above it's going to be like a little quotation bubble that says, man, I can't wait for tomorrow morning's hunt or something like that. You know what I mean? Because I'm known for my Cougar's Banquet and we could put like Goose Gossip times Combat Waterfowl. Man, I got an idea. Uh, we'll we'll talk offline about it. Yes. Just but I, I have a uh, Coors Banquet is a very classy, classy beer. Um, <gasps> full body, full flavor. I, think... um, I don't think it's a rowdy one. It's no PBR. Okay. No. Uh, it's definitely it's definitely a, a more, in my opinion, more classy beer. Um, but I have some that I think would uh, would pair well with that. I think I know where you're going with this, and I feel like, yeah, it's definitely off air because then if we share all our details, I don't know. I kind of, I've been, like, eventually I want the Goose Gossip to be, you know, a brand, but that's, like, that's far off. But if I can get some people like yourself on board with my little brainstorms, man, I don't care if it gets, if you get to sell it and we both came up with it or you came up with it and I'm just a part of it, man, I don't give a shit. As long as I could buy it and wear it. That's all I care Dude, about. Like, hear me out, right? So I'll just I'll give you I'll give you my idea, and and you can maybe some of your followers will uh, will hear this and be like, yeah, dude, you should totally, totally fucking do it, right? So you have a goose, and he's sitting in like a study, right? Like a like a study of a house in like this nice chair, and he's sitting there, you know, he's got his leg crossed, and he's sitting there maybe like reading like the Goose Gossip Times, sipping you know a Coors Banquet, mm, wearing a suit. Maybe wearing a suit, maybe not. Maybe maybe he's wearing a robe, you know. Maybe he's wearing. I don't know that the outfit is necessarily, you know, uh, wearing a second vest. That that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love this podcast, and I love talking to people like you. It it just brings enlightenment to my day. (laughs) It does. Well, yeah. Uh, that before be we solid. let out, before we let out any of our other juicy ideas, because <laughs> we should probably wrap this up. What do you think, Mister Robert? Yeah, man, it's uh, yeah, it's definitely a good time for bed for sure. But yeah. uh, man, I, I thank you enough for for inviting me on and having me on, man. It's been a pleasure. And I appreciate you following up your words with being honest and truthful because it's episodes like this that paved the way for why I started this demographic. So I appreciate you for being truthful and honest and having an open mind. Okay. I appreciate that. And it was, it was a lot of fun having you on, even though we laughed a little bit, but it was a lot of seriousness. I did say that nowadays it's a serious pass or a laughter pass. So. Yeah, no doubt, man. I'm, I'm glad that this episode kind of exhibited both sides of that. But, uh, before we get off on another tangent, we'll, uh, we'll cut your viewers short here. <laughs> yeah, well, let's talk more after here, and then we'll go to bed. How about that, Robert? Go with me, man. All right, sounds good. Talk soon.